Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, good morning, Passion Life Church. Come on, let's give Jesus the best round of applause that we're going to give him all day. How about we do this? Let's give Jesus a smiling offering like this. Look. Come on, let's try it. Ready? Let's see. Ready? I know it might take some faith to do it, but let's give him a little smiling offering. Come on, go like this. Even if you didn't brush, come on. Oh, that's good. Now, I'm going to tell you, if you smile like that, I will preach fast, and I will preach better. Can you say a good amen? Well, we're so glad that you're here. All the men are smiling anyway because football season has begun. Come on, somebody. I got one clap, and that's from Alex back there because the L.A. Chargers are 1-0. and zero. He's like, hey, they're undefeated. Like, dude, they played one game. Give me a break. But come on, you got to celebrate the wins. You know what I'm talking about? If you got one win, celebrate it with your bad self because it ain't going to last long. All right. And Jesus, help us with the Steelers today. What's going on with my Pittsburgh Steelers? Oh, Jesus. Ushers, there's somebody back there booing. But come on. They played the Patriots. Peyton Manning, the best-looking man in the world. Come on, you, you know if Jesus was on there, he looked like Peyton. I mean, he looked like, uh, what's his name? Tom Brady. He looked like Tom Brady. You, you know Jesus looked like that. 42 years old and winning games and cheating. And you know, I, you know what we're talking about. Come on, cheaters never prosper, but they always win. How many of you know? No, I'm kidding. I'm not hating on them. I, they're, they're pretty amazing. But we're so glad that you came to church today. And we're continuing this incredible series called A God Encounter. And that we're just looking at different people who had a God encounter throughout the Bible. And we're asking ourselves, what were the results of them encountering God? And we went through some different people. And I don't have time to review today. But if you download our Passion Life Church app, you can definitely just click on the messages. Those are free to you. We, we do that uh, as a ministry to you so you can just keep up. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, we're going to begin reading in verse 3, and man, I've entitled today's message, Anyone Can Be Great. Anyone can be great, and I think we're going to learn a lot today about today's encounter, because today's encounter is about a man named Saul, who eventually, we will know him as Paul in the Bible. God used him greatly, uh, incredible in the, in the Bible, but he had an encounter himself. He had an encounter with God, and Saul, if you didn't know him before you knew him as Paul and all the good things that he did, Saul was a Pharisee. He, he knew the law, and Saul did not believe, Saul did not believe that Jesus was the way the truth and the life. He actually persecuted people who did believe. Not only persecuted, put them in jail, but what he also did was he killed them. He was responsible for the murder of, of, of Stephen, of Stephen, the first martyr, really, of the New Testament. And so Paul was a, a bad man, a jamma, and I may use Saul or Paul because he's, he's references both in the Bible. But uh, remember, I want us to remember something because Saul being a Pharisee, it was the religious people who crucified Jesus. It was the religious people who said that Jesus was saying blasphemy when Jesus was saying that he was the son of God. They said, no, you aren't. Let's crucify him. It was the religious people that were doing that. And Paul was among those people who were religious. He was a Pharisee. And I just want to encourage us today, like, like Paul or like Saul today, no matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've done it, God still wants to have an encounter with you. And God wants you to encounter him, and he wants to make your life great. Let me say that again. I don't care what you've done in this place. God's forgiveness is bigger than your mistakes. What he did on the cross is bigger than what you've ever done. And I don't care how many times you've done it. 
There's grace today. And if Paul, if God can do it for Saul, he can do it for you. Can I hear a good amen today? And so Saul was on his way to persecute some Christians. He was on the road to Damascus. Damascus. Let's pick up Acts chapter 9, verse 3. And it says, as he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell on the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, Jesus replied. Now, look at one of the things that happens in, in Saul's life. He, he encounters Jesus. And we're just going to look at one of the things because so many things have happened in Saul's life, Paul's life as he moves forward. I mean, he's going to write two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, he's going to start churches. And that's why I say anybody can be great because if God can take a guy like Saul and turn a murderer into a missionary, look what he can do in your life. And that's what happens when you encounter a loving God full of grace. And Saul's perspective, and here's really what happens, and this is what I want to just highlight today, is that when Saul has an encounter with God, his perspective about people changes. See, when Paul encounters Jesus, and, and it was Jesus, it was a bright light, Jesus says so. He says, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. What Paul happens, what happens to Paul is he goes from hating people and persecuting them to loving and preaching God's grace to people. And that's what a God encounter will do. God encounter, a God encounter will change the way you see people. God, a God encounter will change the way that you love people. People And I really believe that this is the true result of a God encounter. You, may, you might begin to treat people um, a different way in your life as, as you're going through life. But when Jesus comes in your heart, when you have a God encounter, here's what happens. You begin to treat people like Jesus treats people. Can I hear a better amen than that today? And let me just tell you, Jesus values people. Jesus loves you. Absolutely loves you. Now, let me tell you, he doesn't always love what we do. But I think we don't get this right in the church. In the church, we're like, people are what they do. No, you do some pretty dumb stuff at times. It doesn't mean you're dumb. Just because you've made a mistake doesn't mean you are a mistake. Just because you failed doesn't mean you are a failure. Come on, we've all made decisions, right? We've all made those types of, of decisions in, in our lives that, man, that, that we have just, you know, we, we've made mistakes. But here's the reality. When Jesus, and you have an encounter with Jesus, you start to see people how Jesus sees people, and he loves people. But in order to treat people the way God wants us to treat them, first, we must know that people are important and special to God. Listen, I don't think you can hear it enough. God loves you unconditionally. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever, everybody say it with me, say whosoever, whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so, but in order to treat people the way that God wants to treat them, we first must know that people are so important and special to God. And let me say just in this room today, there is not a single person in here or in the world that is worthless and no good, especially when it comes to God. God loves everyone. I say God loves everyone. And so every person is created by God. We're all created in, in his image. Every person has special talents in this room. Every person has special gifts and abilities that no one in this world has but you. God's given that to you. And we can learn about how much God values people and how much he loves people by what Jesus said to Paul, said to Saul on the road to Damascus. I want you to hear this. 
All right, because Jesus says to Saul, watch this, why do you persecute me? That's interesting because the Bible doesn't tell us that Saul was one of the the Roman guards or that Saul was there and he was there during the crucifixion of Jesus. It doesn't say that Saul was there when, when they were whipping Jesus. It doesn't say that. I don't see that in the Bible. So the question becomes, how did Saul persecute Jesus? Are you ready? You ready for a revelation that's changed my life? Hopefully it changes your life. Here's what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, Saul, what you were doing to people, I accept that you were doing to me. Let me say that to this side over here. This is what he was saying to Saul. Saul, you were persecuting people, but you got to know that I love people and I value people and what you did to people, you did unto me. Whoa, man, that's pretty deep. That the way we treat people, Jesus is saying, is the way that we treat him. See, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Your relationship and treatment of people is a reflection of your relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's why, you know, when we go out into the world and people don't know God and they're mean and they're ticked off, that's right. They don't know love. They don't know the love and the special love and the unconditional love that you and I know. So we can't expect any different. I don't expect sinners to act like Christian. I expect sinners to sin. That's what they do. I don't expect a sinner to love me or treat me right because they don't know true love. Listen, that's why I'm going to tell you, if you are single in this room, it is so important, the Bible says, that you marry somebody who is a Christian. And I've, I've counseled people, talked to people who just said, you know what, it doesn't matter. But here's the reality. How can, you, how can you get into a relationship with someone, right, that, that doesn't know true love? Now, they may say they love you, but their standard is really their own lives. It's not the standard of what Jesus says love should be. And people struggle. And here's the reality. The reality of it is, is that when you know Christ and when you know love, you can give that love to somebody else because you can't give what you don't have to other people. Can I hear a good amen today? Come on. How was Paul persecuting Jesus? Jesus said, Paul, what you were doing to people, you were doing to me. And there's so many scriptures in the Bible that talk about our relationship with God and people. Mark chapter 12, verse 30 says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Somebody had asked Jesus, so what is the greatest commandment? And he took all of the 10 commandments and he put them into these. In other words, love God, love God people. Listen to this. One of the ways we love God is by loving people. Woo-hoo. I'm preaching better than you're acting. Let me say that again. One of the ways that we love God is by how we love people. Watch this. The way we serve God is by serving people. I've heard people say this, and I understand the context of what they're saying. Man, I don't know if I, I don't know what I could ever do, you know, just to show God that I love him. Obviously, there's nothing that we could do to earn our salvation, right? We receive our salvation by grace through faith. But I think about when people are like, I don't know what I could do to show God that I love him. Can I tell you what you can do? Love people. Because by loving people, you're loving God. 
Well, Pastor Phil, I could never, you know, I, I don't know how I could serve God and, you know, just give back. I could tell you how. You know how you serve God? It's by serving people. Because God says what you do to people, you do to me. So when I serve you, today that's what I'm doing. It's not, I just don't think it's fair. I have to stand up and you guys get to sit down and look at me. It's just not a fair thing. But I will tell you this, here I am today serving you. Now, when I put my notes together and I read, I'm not thinking just about you. I'm thinking about, man, Jesus, is this pleasing to you? But by serving you, I'm serving him. Come on, somebody, today. And so I want to serve people. I want to love people. Matthew chapter 23, verse 11 says this, the greatest among you. See, everybody can be great, but look at what Jesus says. Greatest, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Now, here's the reality. Every single person in this room can be great, and I'm going to tell you why. Because God loves you. But I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said. I love this quote. He said, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love. Because that's what serving people is all about. It's about the love that's in you coming out of you into people, right? It's the love that God has put into you coming out of you. But see, I think that there's a truth missing today that we don't realize. We don't realize that when we serve people, we're serving Jesus. I think we don't realize that we serve Jesus by serving people. Matthew chapter 25, verse 37, it gives us a picture. Every one of us is going to stand before God. And this is talking about that time when we stand before God. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 37, it says this, Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry? Watch, listen to this. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in or naked or clothe you? Or when did we see you sick in prison and come to you? Listen to verse 40. And the king will answer to him and say, Surely I say to you, in as much as you did it to one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Listen to what he's saying. And I understand the context of this question. Jesus when did I see you naked? I never saw naked Jesus walking around. Anybody see a naked Jesus walking around? Jesus, there's Jesus. Ah, he's naked. No, I don't want to see him. Jesus, when did I see you hungry? Jesus, you look great. You look, wow, impeccably in shape, doing your burpees and all the stuff that you do at CrossFit, right? No pun intended with the CrossFit. Anyway, you'll get there. We're going to make the coffee a little stronger in the lobby. Maybe I pray you get it when you listen to the podcast. Jesus, when did I see you like that? And Jesus said, you need to understand. It's what you did to people. When you clothed people who didn't have clothes, you did it to me. When you fed people that didn't have food, you did it to me. Because when you're serving people, you're serving me. Man, when I think about that, Man, it really, really got deep into my, into my heart, and I'm thinking, wow. So and I just serve people, and I'm serving Jesus. I'm serving Jesus. I remember when I was 19 years old. It was like four years ago. And uh, no, I'm playing. 
I remember when I was 19 years old, and I just remember I had a God encounter. And everyone has to have one. You have to have your own. You know, you can't live off grandma's God encounter. You can't live off of your mom's God encounter. You have to have your own God encounter. And I did at 19. Did everything that the world tells me I should do. Smoked everything that the world told me that I was supposed to smoke. Right? All of this stuff. At 19, I was totally unfulfilled. Got down on my knees and I said, this is it. I'm going to commit suicide. I'm going to, that's it. Life is, man, it's just not worth living. This is everything life has to offer. It's not what I want. I got down on my knees in my aunt's house in New Jersey. And I said, God, I'm taking my life if you don't do something. If you don't speak to me, if you don't know, if, if, I, if you don't show me that you're real. And I heard a voice as vivid as, as I'm talking today that said, take your life. I said, what? He said, take your life, give it to me. And I'll give you a life that you could never imagine. And you know what? That night, I took my own life and gave it to Jesus. And you know what? Yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. You know, I have a lot of decisions in my life that I regret, but I don't regret that one. Never have. And I just remember on the floor being a senior in high school, I dated the captains of the cheerleaders. I've dated, I mean, I dated, I mean, I was just like, I did everything that people said. And I remember that night getting up, going back to my dad's church because we had a, my dad had a Hispanic church. And, um, and I got back and I just remember feeling inside my heart. I didn't want anybody not to know what this love was like. I didn't want anybody to know. I wanted everybody to know actually what Jesus could do for them. I didn't want anybody to go to hell. And I mean, I just started serving. I just remember when you're a pastor's kid, we call them PKs. When you're a pastor's kid, man, you show up. And if the drummer doesn't show up, you're playing the drums that week. If the bass player doesn't show up, you're playing the bass, right? Whatever it, it means, whatever it, it happens. And so I would serve in the band after the band was done and they finished. I ran backstage and then I would go helping the kids. You know why? Because I loved, I just loved people because something in my heart changed. See, before that, I didn't care about people. I didn't care about other people's problems. I was like, you know what? If that's, that's your problem. That ain't my problem. That's, that was my attitude, so into me. But see, here's the, 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 the actual thing that happens is when you have a God encounter, you're not just about me, you're about we now because you start caring about people. Because I tell you why? Because God cares about you. God cares about people. God cares about right where you're at. The Bible says that we're supposed to cast all of our cares on him because he not only loves us, but he cares about us. And something began to shift, man, and I began to serve. But see, here's the thing. I didn't know this truth that when I was serving people, I was serving Jesus. And I was so fulfilled. I remember that. And the result is I just kept helping. I started caring about people. And I didn't know that I was actually loving and serving Jesus by serving his people. I didn't know that. And so here's what I want to do today. I want to give you four truths about a servant's heart and serving. And here's number one. You have a strength and the strength is for service. I love how the message Bible, it's a Bible paraphrase, actually says this. It says this, Romans 15, verse one and two. It says, those of us who are strong and able in the faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just what it, do what is most convenient. Watch this. Strength is for service not for status. 
Let me say that again. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? Ooh, I just felt the spirit of Walmart. Come on, how can I help? How can I help? How can I help? See, here's the reality. Every single one of you can be great, and I'm going to tell you why. Because God has placed in each and every one of you a strength. There's a strength in you that God has placed in you. There's a gift in you that's not in me, but God has placed in you. And maybe some of you have never heard this before, but that strength that God has put in you is actually to help you fulfill your purpose. God doesn't say, hey, look, I have a purpose for you, but I'm not going to give you the strength to do it. He says, I have a purpose for you, and I'm going to give you the gift. I'm going to give you the strength to be able to fulfill the purpose that I gave you. And let me just tell you, it's a unique strength that you have. You have a unique gift. You have a grace that's on your life. You're anointed to do something specific. God has placed that in you. And that's why, that's why it's a part of our vision. This is our vision. Our vision is for you to know God, for you to grow in faith, discover your purpose so you can go make a difference. And can I just tell you, until you discover your purpose, you will never be happy. You will never be happy. Money's not going to make you happy. The relationships aren't going to make you happy because there's still a hole in your heart. And until you discover that purpose and you discover your strength, right, you're never going to be fulfilled because this is what God has called us to do. And here's the thing. Each and every one of us have a unique burden. Do you know you have a, a unique burden? There are things that move you that may not move me. There are things that may stir your heart and stir your life that don't necessarily stir mine. I love, I love seeing people come to Jesus. It stirs me. It's, it's why I do what I do. There's not enough money that could pay me to do something different. I love seeing that. It fulfills me. It's, it really does. And you know what? There's something that stirs in your heart. And can I just tell you? You know how sometimes you can figure that out? It's what frustrates you the most. It's what frustrates you the most. There are people that being disorganized doesn't frustrate them. <laughs> they can walk into the room, everything is disorganized, it does not frustrate them. But you have Jody walk in the room with her organizational gift and strength, oh, she's frustrated. This thing needs to, come on somebody, this needs to get organized. You know why she sees that? You know why that moves her heart? Because she's got a strength for organization. There are things that move you. For some of you, it's kids. Man, kids. Oh, Pastor Phil, I, I, kids don't stir me. Well, then why did you have four of them? I don't know. <laughs> why did you have seven? And don't tell me it's because you're Hispanic. Come on, my dad had a Hispanic church. We have four families, and we had like 400 people. That's it. It was all their cousins, sisters, mothers, uncles. I'm playing. I'm Hispanic, so I can say that. So just chill. We're, we're good. We're good. We're Mexicans, not Mexicans. Come on, somebody. But what stirs you? Some of you are so stirred creatively. You are so creative. You see things in such a different light. Do you know that's a strength? And you know what God gave it to you for? He gave it to you so you could serve with it. You could serve with it. See, what is a strength? A strength is an area of your life that comes easy to you, watch, and you're good at. And you're good at it. 
It's not just that you love it. Oh, you're good at it. Oh, Pastor Phil, when I'm in the car and I'm singing, it's fire. Pastor Phil, when I'm in the shower and I'm singing, it's fire. Yeah, I heard you sing. Let's keep that fire in the shower. Come on, somebody. Let's keep that fire in the car. That's, that's not, you're good at it. You're good at it. It's funny. Can I be real today? Would that be all right? Or would you want me to be fake? How many of you want me to be fake? Okay, two of you. All right. No, I'm kidding. It's funny because at our church, we want people to, to discover their gifts. And, uh, you know, Pam is, is our worship leader, and they do a great job, don't they? Come on, give them a good round of applause. But I don't want her job because people have to audition for the worship team. And do you know when people can't sing and you tell them, they get mad. We've had people leave the church over it. Well, I can't sing. It's not my problem. It's not my fault that you can't sing. I'm sorry. It may not be your strength. Now, you may want it to be your strength, but it may not be your strength. Right? I love watching. Have you ever seen the American Idol tryouts when Simon was on there and people are singing and he would just tell them he would speak the truth, but not in love? You know what I mean? And people are like, my mama told me I can sing. Well, your mama was wrong. Either that or she was deaf. I don't know. But here's the reality. Watch this. A strength comes easy to you. That doesn't mean that we don't get better. doesn't mean that we don't work on, on our, our strength. But can I just tell you, what I'm doing right now for me is the easiest thing I will do all week. Even easier than the prep time and the prayer time. You're like, Pastor Phil, you prepare? It doesn't seem like, yeah, I prepare. But can I tell you, easier than meeting with people, easier than all of those leadership things, and I love those things. This right here, it's so easy to me. It just comes natural to me. And I'm not saying it because I'm boasting. I'm just saying that all of us have different strengths, and you have a strength. Come on, can I hear a good amen? amen. But see, here's what happens, especially in our church, is our strength can become our weakness because we have great worship. We have good preaching. I didn't need an amen on that. Don't worry anyway. But because we have great worship and we have great preaching, here's the temptation. Well, I'm just going to come and spectate. Listen, that's not how you're going to use your strength, by spectating. You use your strength by participating and using your strength. And as you use your strength, you get better at it. Come on, somebody. And here's what happens. See, your strength is God's gift to you. But what you do with your strength is your gift back to God. Let me say that again. See, your strength is God's gift to you, but what you do with your strength is your gift back to God. Do you know that your strength that God gives you is not what's going to make you great? What's going to make you great is when you use what he gave you. Do you know how I found this? And many people have told, I'm just telling you what, today I'm not, listen, today is not, it's not even a humble brag today. I'm not, I'm just telling you what people have told me. Is that Okay. Can I still be humble in your eyes if I just tell you what people have told me? I remember my dad said, hey, listen, our youth leader has moved on. I need somebody to do youth. Will you do youth? Okay, I'll do youth. I didn't know if I could preach. Actually, I wanted to be a rock star. That's what I thought. I thought our band was going to hit it big. And, man, I was a legend in my own mind. And then I got the microphone and I started to preach. And then my friend said, hey, I saw you preach. Why don't you come preach at our youth ministry? And I had a friend tell me, and this is how you know you have a strength too, is people will tell you, hey, you know, you got a gift for that. 
And I was preaching, and one of my friends said, hey, because we had like four preachers that night. It was a youth rally, and one of my friends pulled me aside. He goes, man, you got a gift for this. I was like, what are you talking about, man? He's like, look at all the kids. They're listening to you. I was like, isn't that what they're supposed to do? But he goes, no. You know, out of all the four speakers, they were all listening to you, and they weren't really paying attention to the other ones. You have a strength. You have a gift. And see, here's, here's the, 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 the truth. If you'll take some opportunities to get involved, you can see what your own strength is. And it's fun and it's good. And you know, I've been preaching for 20 years because somebody gave me just an opportunity to, to do it. And I found what my strength was. And what God gives you doesn't make you great, this strength. What it is what you do with it. And I just wonder, what are you gonna do with the strength that God's given you? How many people are you gonna bless? How many people are you gonna help? Because listen, the people that you serve, you're really serving the people that you're loving, you're really loving on. Now, will you get blessed in the process? Absolutely. And will they get blessed? Absolutely. But I just want us to remember this truth that what we're doing to people, God says, you're doing to me. You have strength and the strength is for service. Are you glad you came to church today? Here's number two, and we need to understand this about strength. Your strength is not your identity. Jesus does not call me Pastor Phil. My wife does not call me Pastor Phil. My son, Pastor Phil. The, three most, the two most significant people in my life do not call me Pastor Phil. Can I just tell you what my identity is? My identity is exactly what we sang today in worship. I am a child of God, right? I am accepted in the beloved. I am who you say I am, right? Come on, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. I am chosen. I'm forgiven. I'm a child of God. I don't want to be Pastor Phil to, to Jesus. I, I just want to be Phil. I want to be that child of God. Watch this. Look at me. My strength is a tool that God gave me, right? I am not what I do, but my strength, right? Preaching or sharing the strength, that's a tool that God has given me to accomplish my purpose and to reach people for the kingdom of God. And just like I have a strength, so do you. You have a tool that can can make you great. And let me just help us today. We need to stop comparing our strengths to other people's strengths. See, there are some strengths that lend more to church, right? And I've had people tell me, I don't know how you get up there and talk about the things you talk about. And, you know, you make us laugh sometimes. And Man, I could never get up in front of people. Listen, can I just tell you that no matter what your strength is, the devil always wants you to feel insignificant about the strength that you have. I had a friend who was talking about another friend, pastor friend who has a billionaire, b -b billionaire in his church. And the billionaire came up to the pastor and said, he was crying. He said, hey, you know what, man? I just wish I could do what you do up there. And the pastor was crying. He said, I wish I could do what you do. Because you know what? The devil wants to always make us feel insignificant. I listen to some of the preachers today, you know, that I love and I admire, and I don't even want to show up on Sunday because I just compare and I'm like, I'll just, let's, just, let's just go to Stephen Furtish Church. I like him. He's great. Bishop T.D. Jakes, my personal opinion, is one of the greatest orators of all time, people. Like, and he's in our gen. I, I love it, and I listen to him, and I'm like, I don't even want to show up. But you know what? God did not call me to be T.D. Jakes. Hello, I'm not black. 
God did not call me to be Joyce Meyer. I am not a female. And you're like, God did not call me to be Joseph Fritz. I am not Asian. And I love all of them with a deep respect. You know what God has called me to be? He's called me to be Puerto Rican, Italian, and Polish. They call me tres leches, people. Listen, I'm going to tell you, that's who I am. This is who God made me. This is the strength that he gave me. And listen, because I'm not then, I'm not going to stop using the strength that God has given me. I'm going to continue to use it, and I'm going to use it, and it's going to be a tool. And guess what? Guess what? People are showing up to church. The church is growing. Guess what? People all across the world are listening to our podcast. You know what? People are moving here, and somebody out of state told them about the church because they were listening to the podcast. It's just me using their, my strength. But don't compare your strength to my strength. Let me not compare my strength to yours. My wife is an incredible, incredible creative person. I can't even draw a straight line, people. And she can paint, and I just sit there and I just watch her, and I get discouraged because I can't do that. But here's the reality. If God didn't give you the strength to do it, then he didn't call you to do it. And he gave you a strength for your purpose. Come on, give him a good round of applause. And so your strength is not your identity. It's just a tool. Number three, your service sanctifies your wants. You know, there's something... Wrong. There's nothing wrong in desiring to be great. I think this is another thing growing up. And I still hear this in the church. Like, you shouldn't want to be great. What? You know, there's nothing wrong with desiring to be great. It's just how you go about it. Watch this. Jesus never said that you can't be great. Can I read what Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, verse 42? But Jesus called them to himself, the disciples, and he said this. You know, that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles, Lord over them, and their great ones exercise authority. Yet it shall not be among you. Watch this. But whoever desires to become great. Can I ask you, do you desire to become great? He says, whoever desires to become great, this is how you're going to do it, though, shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be a slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life for many. many. And what Jesus is actually doing is he's comparing worldly leadership and kingdom leadership. Worldly leadership is this dog-eat-dog corporate life that says, I will lie on you if I have to lie on you. I will step on you. Anything that I have to do to get the status that I need, I will do. And Jesus is like, that's not kingdom. That is not kingdom leadership. Kingdom leadership is about servanthood. And again, greatness is not wrong. We just have to define it properly. Whoever desires to be great will be your servant. So here's the reality. How many of you desire to be great? Let me see your hands. Some of you still don't realize this. And I'm going to tell you, God has actually put greatness inside of you. I'm going to tell you why. When he put Adam and Eve in the garden, he said this, I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply. I want you to subdue the earth. Ladies and gentlemen, that's greatness. Be fruitful. The Bible says that when we are fruitful, it glorifies our God in heaven. That's greatness. God says, when you're great in my eyes, it glorifies me. It glorifies me. So greatness is not wrong. It's kind of funny. 
in our society today, sometimes we'll run Facebook ads from the church and uh, like when we have guest speakers or whatnot. And so we were running some, some Facebook ads and one of the speakers, I forget who it was, was just saying that. On the, he was preaching and it was on Facebook and it's an ad people can click on. We want people to come to the church and the speaker was saying, God wants you to be great. And it was funny, people started commenting and this one person, now listen, I, I would recommend you never get into Facebook fights. Never, I just don't do it. But this one, I got into because the guy said this. He said, God does not want his people to be great. He wants us to live a life like the suffering savior. Can I just tell you one thing? Jesus is not suffering anymore. I don't know what Bible you read, but he's exalted and he's at the right hand of the father. And the Bible says that he's praying for us. Yeah, yeah. So that bothered me a little bit. So I said, okay, listen, if you say that God doesn't want any of his children to be great, we have a problem because the Bible says otherwise. Do you know the Bible? In, if you read in Genesis, God actually told Abraham, watch this. He said, I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Watch, this is God. And Abraham, I will make your name great. He didn't say, I'm going to make my name great. He said, Abraham, I'm going to make you great. And here's the key. If you understand, I'm going to bless you, but it can't stop with you there. You've got to be a blessing. And when you realize you are blessed and you start to bless other people, your name will be great. So I just kind of put that, that scripture up there. I said, I'm sorry, sir, very politely, but God did tell Abraham, at least there's one person there that he's going to be great. Now, if you look in the New Testament, the Bible says that you and I, if you are in Christ, we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise of Abraham. What is the promise that God gave to Abraham? The promise that God gave to Abraham is I will bless you and you will be a blessing and I will make your name great. And you and I, our great, great, great father Abraham, God made him great. And you know what? You are heirs to that promise. Come on, can I hear a good amen? By the way, your big daddy in heaven, he's great. And I haven't met one parent that never said, I don't want my kid to be great. And how much better is God our father than our earthly parents? And God says, I'm gonna make you great. But here's the reality. It can't just be about status. When God makes you great, there's a responsibility that comes with that blessing. There's a responsibility that comes with that. It can't just stop with you. See, for me, serving and leading is great, but it better never be about status. Listen, I never wanted the title of a pastor. God knows this. You know, some people even today, they say, hey, uh, how do you want me to call you? You want me to call you Pastor Phil? And I'm like, call me as you see me. I don't care. I don't get, I've had people like, they get tripped up, like, excuse me, it's pastor. That's not me, because I didn't want this title. Actually, I was serving people, and three or four people came up to me and go, hey, you know what you're doing? I was like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. You're, that's pastoral what you're doing. Oh, really? Good. And I kept doing it. Hey, you know what? You're a pastor. Oh, I am? I, I don't know. I'm just, do, I'm just loving people. I'm just feeding people. But you can call me. It, to me, it was never about a title. It was never about the status. It was always about serving people and serving Jesus and serving Jesus through serving people. I don't care what you call me. 
It's funny, we took our team uh, to El Paso, Texas. Now, we come from a huge church, me and my wife, and uh, we were there for 11 and a half years. We, I was a youth pastor there, and again, this isn't a humble brag, I'm just telling you the truth. We had about 750 youth in our youth ministry a week. We did four services, I preached three Sunday services. Listen, so people knew us in the city. My wife and I would get a little creeped out because we'd go to Walmart and four or five people always you know, say hi to us or somebody would message me on Facebook going, hey, I saw you at Walmart. And I'm like, this is creepy. And we went, and uh, so, and I don't, I don't really care about all that stuff, right? I'm just glad that I hope that your, your life is being turned around. But I think this was a little shock. It was a shock to me and to our team because we, we took about eight people, 10 of us total. And when the team got in, they got picked up by the hotel shuttle. And so there was a guy in there with a the beard, and they all got in. And I heard this later. I didn't know that this was happening. But the guy got in, and they got, all the team got in. And uh, so I guess the conversation started, hey, what are you guys doing here? And, and he's like, oh, you know. Uh, what are you guys doing here? And they were like, hey, we're, we're here and we're going to meet our pastor. And like, well, who's your pastor? And then they told him and he goes, I know that guy. He said he was my youth pastor and he changed my life. And he starts telling the team. And then they come and tell me and I was as shocked as ever. And when the team opened the door to the van, all of their faces were like white, like a ghost. And they're like, that guy knows you. <laughs> Can I just tell you? I thank God that God did something in his life, but I never got up here so people would know me. I got up here to serve people. Can I just tell you another story? It's not a humble brag. I'm just telling you. And when we were back at our old church, I had a guy come up to me and he goes, hey, you don't know me. And again, I mean, we had like 750 kids in the youth and not all of them turned out great, but some of them did. You just need to know that. Some don't. This word and this seed that's going out depends on how you receive it in your heart. There are people that come up to me and go, man, that was a great word. And there are people that says, I didn't get anything out of it. You know what? I'm not responsible for your response. And I'm not responsible for your heart. If your heart is not open today, this word is going to fall. But let me just tell you, the seed is always the same. And so some didn't turn out. But this guy comes up to me and goes, hey, you don't know me. But I just, I just need to tell you, when I was 14, I went to all the youth conferences that you did. He's like, my mom bought me the CDs. I put them in my, in my, um, in my phone. And he says, I'm 28 now. I started out, went to college. I was a police officer. Uh, and then I, I worked, I don't know, for the FBI. And he's like, now I'm internal affairs. And I was like, cool, man, just don't look me up. But anyway, so I said, um, he goes, I just want you to know that I, I still have your messages in my phone. And he started naming titles of series that I forgot about. And he's like, when the down times come, I turn on those messages. And now he works for internal affairs. And I thought, listen, Man, praise God that we're serving people and live pe lives are changing. Man, was that, was that awesome that he said that? Yeah, but can I just tell you this? I never did it for that. I just did it to help people. I just served people. I want everyone to, I want every single one of you to experience the American dream. I want every single one of you to own a home. I want every single one of you to be able to pay for your baby's wedding. I want every single one of you to be able to send your kids to college. Listen, I pray that you can have the American dream in your life, but I pray that it matures into the kingdom dream. What do, what do I mean by that? Listen, it's not just about owning a, a, a home, driving a nice car, and doing all those other things. If you don't do anything for anybody else, then your life is just all about 
about you. And can I just tell you, that's not the kingdom. The kingdom is, is listen, because the Bible says that a good man will lay up an inheritance for his children's children, but that's not all he does. He helps in his community, right? He helps at his church. He helps to make a different Marietta, not just, hey, a, a, a difference in Marietta, but let's make Marietta a different Marietta. Let's tell people about Jesus. How can we do that? Well, Pastor Phil, I just want my white picket fence. That's what I want. Okay, what are you going to do after you get your white picket fence? Because let me just tell you this, you ain't taking your white picket fence to heaven. But after you get your white picket fence, what are you going to do? Are you going to help somebody? Are you going to bless somebody? Or is this life all about us? Because if it is all about you, you are missing the whole point. And that's why so many people are frustrated because they don't realize that they have strengths then their strengths are for service. And if we'll sanctify our strength by putting him at Jesus's feet and say, Jesus, why did you make me this way? I want to give my strengths back to you. And I will tell you this, if you serve God by serving people, God will bring significance to your life. God will bring greatness to your life. Can I hear a good amen today? Number four, and here's where we close. No matter your title, you need to pick up a towel. No matter your title, billionaire, you need to pick up a towel. Hundred air, you need to pick up a towel. In dead air, you need to pick up a towel. CFO, COO, professional athlete, mom, dad, husband, wife, pastor, leader, friend, we need to pick up a towel. Where do I get this from? Look at the great example of Jesus as we close. John 13, three says, Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus is about to go to the cross. Watch what he did. Number four, verse four. So he got up. Everybody say that he got up. He got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. You know what's interesting, my church family? Is Jesus is sitting at the table, but then he got up. Can I just tell you today, there's a time that you sit at the table and you eat. There's a time you sit at the table and you get your word. But there's also a time that you push the food away from the table and you get up to help feed other people. Can I hear a better amen? Come on. Because the intention of the food was not for you just to sit there and eat and eat and eat. Have you ever eaten so much you're in pain? Have you ever been, I, I, I can't stand to go to buffets. We went to one yesterday, and three or four people were like, oh, my God, in pain, like pain, because we're so full. And I think sometimes this is a picture of the church, right? I just need to be fed, and I just need to be fed and fed and fed. And some of us are so fed, we're so full that we're in pain. And here's the reality. The intention of the food was to fuel you to pick up a towel and help somebody else, not just sit at the table. Well, Pastor Phil, you know, I just left my last church because I couldn't get fed. I just need to get fed. Well, maybe it was because the preacher couldn't put any, food, any more food in your mouth. 
He's trying to feed you. You're so full. I'm just so full. The purpose of the food was to fuel you for service. And Jesus knew when to get out and get off the table and get up and do something. See, my church family, it's time to do something with what you know. It's time to do something what you know. And I think it's time that we pick up a towel. Not for status, but for service. See, here's what happens when you go after status. It's like grabbing water, right? You ever try to grab water? Man, I, I need to be the manager. Man, I, you know, I, I need to, man, I, I need approval. I, I need status. I need status. And what happens is you keep grabbing and nothing's ever good enough. Nobody ever sees what I do, right? And it can even go into relationships in terms of like, hey, you know what? Nobody's ever good looking enough. Nobody's ever nice enough. Nobody's ever, here's what you need to do. This water wasn't meant to, to grab. This water was meant to soak a towel so we can start to grab a towel and wash people's feet. Because when I serve people, I'm serving God. And Jesus, who was the most powerful person in the room, got on his knees and began to serve people. Notice the Bible says, see, all things were under Jesus's power. Get this. All things were under Jesus's power, but nothing was beneath him. And Jesus went lower. He went lower. See, your strength and your gift is bigger than this moment that you're at. I get it. It was Jesus's strength was bigger than that moment. He was going to go to the cross, go through all those things. I know your strength is bigger than the moment that you're in. But here's my question. Are you willing to go low? Because if you're not willing to go low, God can't elevate you high. Now, you can try to do it by yourself. So many people do. I watch it. It's hard. I'm like, you know what? And there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of frustration. But if you'll pick up a towel and you'll get low and serve some people. Here's what I found out, my church family. It's hard to be critical when you're washing somebody's feet. It's hard to point fingers when you're washing people's feet. It's hard. In my church family, if you're too big to serve, you're probably too small to lead. Let me say that again. If you're too big to serve, then you're probably too small to lead. And I know, I don't like this type of message sometimes. I'm like, Jesus, can't we just get into the Christmas season and talk about baby Jesus and hope and tis the season? But you know what? We need to hear this stuff because there's a dying world out there that needs to know Jesus. And you know what? You can be great because God loves you and because he's put a strength in your life today. Can I hear a good amen? God has a big life for you, but are you willing to stay humble? Are you willing to stay low? Everyone can be great because God has given everyone a strength to serve. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.